0: Welcome to the online ministry of the sermons at Coastal Community Church, and we are so grateful you took time to, to watch this sermon. One of the things that uh, we have a deep conviction of here at Coastal Community Church is that this online sermon that you're downloading or streaming is, is, a, is a supplement to your spiritual growth, and we, we think it's real important that you're a part of a local church. So uh, even as you watch this sermon, and I hope it encourages you and challenges you, uh, I hope that you'll find a local church. Uh, if you live in the Hampton Roads area, I hope that you'll consider checking out coastal community church we have three services on Sunday morning uh, 815 945 and 1115 and uh, so we'd love for you for you to join us at one of those services I do want to introduce our new sermon series uh, that we're doing we're taking some time going through first Timothy and we're entitled the series guarding the gospel and uh, the Apostle Paul um, mentors a young pastor Timothy uh, and he talks to him about how to establish a church so that the gospel of Christ can be guarded in a sense that it's pure uh, and kept true and so that it can be um, brought to a lost and dying world. So I hope you'll enjoy this series through Timothy, Guarding the Gospel.
1: Amen. Good morning, Coastal Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Exciting week in the life of Coastal Community Church. And uh, so do me a favor, uh, before I tell you all the exciting things, turn in your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to continue in our series, Guarding the Gospel. we just got a couple more of these, and we're going to finish up this letter uh, thank you, Joey, of the Apostle Paul, writing to young Timothy, the pastor. Uh, there's a handout in your bulletin. You can follow along with me. If you haven't, haven't brought your Bible, turn there. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, uh, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? As you may know, maybe you didn't know, uh, Coastal was able to close on... I, I'm hesitant to even call it the Kroger Building anymore, all right? The new home of Coastal Community Church. We closed on Tuesday morning, so great stuff. And. Uh, Man, just really, really good. And and, and in the process, I I run the risk of thanking people out loud because there's so many people that are donating so much expertise and so much time. But in order for us to get to closing, there was a couple individuals that really, really gave us a lot of time. Uh, We had a team of volunteer real estate agents, but it was really led by Rob Havner. And so Rob did an excellent job as our real estate agent uh, getting us to closing. And then he's not here today, and so he would not be happy if I said this, so he's not here so he can whatever all right and that's Andrew Behrens our lawyer did an amazing job of keeping me out of jail so uh no he did an amazing job a lot of legal stuff to get to closing and I just want to thank both of them okay yesterday do we have some uh oh wow I didn't know that was up there that's hideous okay go to the next picture Um, yeah, we did some demo work yesterday, okay, and we got a lot done. We had about sixty plus sixty volunteers throughout the day, give or take. And uh, we're going to continue to do demo at the building for the next probably three weeks. If you're interested, or s- I promise you, there's something you can do, okay. So on your way out today, if you want to sign up and volunteer, we have a list so we know what's going on. Uh, Jeff Fry's handling that, okay. So man, just c- you can come up during the week, come up with your small group, help demo the building, and uh, good stuff. Is there a lot of pictures going on. That's really cool. Anyway. So everybody needs a floor scraper in their life. So uh, do me a favor. I want to give you a prayer request too. Um, we do have a couple interested parties, uh, a couple interested organizations in the community looking at this building. Uh, and we haven't even put a sign up. So you know, so be in prayer about that. And uh, just there's some things happening behind the scenes. And, and that would be a huge financial blessing to Coastal as well. So keep praying. Good stuff. Okay. So do me a favor. Let's dive in and uh, let's look at 1 Timothy 5. I, uh, one of the challenges... Uh, that I face, and, and it, hopefully you will face at some point in your life. If you ever take a missions trip, and one of the things I stand in front of Coastal all the time, and I say, listen, I really, really want every single uh, person that's a member of this church, calls this their church home, to take some form of an international missions trip, and and I would especially challenge you to consider going to a third world country at some point. Uh, it's just it's just mind-blowing. It, it alters your thinking. Uh, it will deeply impact your life. And, and one of the things that uh, I've been several times to third world countries and and, and served on a missions trip. And, and every time I come back, I have this period that I like to call re-entry. And, and when you re-enter into your own culture, it's it, it's shocking and it's uh, difficult. In fact, we had a we had a Honduras debrief and, and uh, Josh Schwarting kind of asked us all the question like, how are you processing this? You know, and he, he asked the question, how many of y'all have cut your cable since you came? Back, and, and some hands went up because it, it alters everything you think about, and everything it, it just impacts your life deeply, and it has you ask some questions about the idea of the materially poor. Right Like like how do we even navigate this in, in a culture where we have so much and there are, are millions and even billions of people around the world that that have so little? and so this morning, the Apostle Paul, we're going to look at a, a and, and really church, this is like a, a teaching point. I't Again, I don't think you're going to leave here super necessarily inspired, but there's some truths here that we have to know that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy to the church about how do we take care of the materially poor inside of our own church body? Okay. And so we're transitioning to what I call family talk. Okay. So Paul's like, here's how you deal with the church body. And I think these things are important for us to understand that the scriptures give us these truths. And here's why I think this is important, As I've prayed about this passage this week, is that in our culture, as we move away from being a culture that is influenced by the scriptures, because some of this stuff this week, you're going to go, as I'm teaching, you go, well, that's common sense. We kind of do that naturally. But I think as a culture, as, as we move away from these truths, from the Bible as a culture, we're going to forget how to treat the materially poor. And what happens is it ends up, poverty ends up feeding on itself. And I think that the church, will so I say this, I've said this a lot from the front, that anywhere that Christianity has deeply impacted a culture, it tends to lift a culture even out of of the materially poor. Why is that? Because we learn and we understand some of the truths that I think we take as common sense in this culture, but I want to challenge us as a church. It's very important to pass these paths, Words are hard this morning. Uh, pass these truths on from one generation to the next. Okay, so so with that, let's jump in. Verse Timothy five, verse one and two. Now Paul here is talking to Timothy about how he how do how do you treat a spiritual need? So we're going to jump jump into a material need in just a minute. But how do you treat a spiritual need inside your church body? First Timothy five one and two. Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Now, if you remember from last week, remember I said last week's passage, some people consider the, perp, the main purpose of the, book, of the letter of 1 Timothy, where Paul says, Timothy, you're young, but don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. And he gives him some instruction on what that looks like. So now he's teaching him as a young pastor, man, how do you handle when there's a spiritual need in your church body? Never speak to an older man harshly, but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Talk to younger men as you would your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sister. So he starts out, we're going to start this passage this morning by, how do you correct the church family? What if there's a correction that's needed? And specifically the idea of dealing with a spiritual need. And so Paul says to this young pastor, talk, talk to older men. Uh, respectfully, gently talk to older women, appealing gently as as you would talk to your to your mother. This this past week, I did something I've never done before. Um, <clears throat> I took an Amtrak train ride to Baltimore. Uh, I'd never done that before. And one of the things that uh, really impressed me was the kindness of the attendants on the train. I thought they just did an excellent job. And, and one of the things that I noticed, there was a, a senior adult lady that needed some help getting on the train because they're not easy to get on and off of. And as she was getting on, this, this, this attendant helped her. And then he said this, and I just thought it was fascinating. He said, chivalry is not dead, and you know what I said? Because I was planning for this sermon. I said, thank God for that, right? That's a good thing. We, we should be generous. We should be respectful in our culture. And my fear is as we move away from the scriptural principles that Paul's laying out in our culture, we become ignorant to biblical truths, we're going to become less respectful as a culture. And I think Paul's teaching is common respect. Chivalry's not dead. Chivalry is a good thing. Chivalry is a biblical idea, right? And I think Paul's given us th- that to us, all right? And so proper respect. He says, younger men treat them as brothers. Now, I know how I treated my younger brother growing up. I think he means in a kind way, okay? And so, you know, and younger women, you treat them in all purity. And again, whenever Paul, used, and oftentimes when Paul uses the idea of purity, he uses the idea of sexual purity, Okay, and I can tell you as a pastor that uh, one of the things that we're very careful of here on staff is to protect uh, the, uh, any appearance of evil when it comes to sex and sexuality, okay? We, I know for me, like I, we don't, I don't meet with women in counseling unless it's in the office, my shade is up, and there's other people around, okay? We want to make sure that we protect the integrity of the local church and avoid even the appearance of evil, and I think that's what Paul is instructing young Timothy, okay? So now let's jump to the next point here in this passage and Paul gives instruction on how to deal with the material poor now he uses the idea what he is instructing here is how to treat widows okay now the reason I have broadened the principles here is because I think there are broader principles in ancient Near Eastern time if you were a widow and you didn't have family it was very very difficult to provide for your family almost impossible even to provide for yourself uh, it's hard for us to even get our minds around how different that Culture is in in the treatment of women as the way we in the culture we live in, and I think in a in a healthy way in our culture. And so, and so, widows a widow that had no family would have a very difficult time having making any provision for herself. And so, Paul, and the reason I thought about skipping this passage because I thought, man, it's going to be boring. But there's so much teaching here. I'm like, Paul thought it was important that we understand the principles of treating and dealing with the material poor. Okay, and so we're going to unpack this. How do we do that? Now, this is a challenge, by the way. It's a huge challenge. It, it requires uh, some thinking, and it requires uh, uh, wisdom, and here's why. Okay, My time as pastor here on more than one occasion, okay, there's been a, 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 a tender or a member of this church that has had a material need. And sometimes they're difficult to figure out how to help. And, and let me give you an example. I've had on multiple occasions the material need where someone will sit with me and say, Pastor Sean, can the church help me pay some bills? Well, of course we can. What, what's the need? Well, I've got an $800 or $1,000 electric bill. Okay? That has happened. Well, how do you handle that? Right? Because you start, can, can we, could we help pay the bill? Of course we can help pay the bill, but you probably don't get an 800 or or $1,000 electric bill overnight, right? I mean, the need is, is deeper than that. And so you start unpacking layers, you realize, man, there's, there's, a, there's a lifestyle that we need, just need to coach, and we need to act. The help is, is deeper than the $1,000 electric bill. Does that make sense? And so I think we need to look at this passage and go, man, what is wisdom in benevolence? And by the way, Coastal's got some awesome benevolence ministries. Awesome. Got some men that will help... You know, help some women, uh, sing, looking for single moms and widows, those kind of ideas taken from passages like this. If you need help around your house, we've got some great helps ministries, both in the church and outside the church, including the food ministry, which you're aware of, and many, many others. So Coastal takes these things seriously, but how do we provide for those in need? Okay, so Paul says the first thing is make sure that there's nowhere else to go. Check this out, First Timothy 5.3, take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her, but if she has children or grandchildren, their first responsibility is to show godliness at home and repay their parents by taking care of them. This is something that pleases God. Now, a true widow, a woman who is truly alone in the world, has, a pl- has placed her hope in God. She prays night and day, asking God for help. But the widow who lives only for her pleasure is spiritually dead even while she lives. Give, the, give these instructions to the church so that no one will be open to criticism. But those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Such people are what? What's it say? Worse than unbelievers. Wow. It's pretty harsh words, isn't it? So a couple of things, a couple of points about helping those in need. Number one, I think Paul says, is we got to verify the degree of need. He says, make sure they're widows that are truly in need. If they have physical family around them, they should... They, Children, grandchildren, the family should take care of them, right? Number two, make sure this in this particular institution, make sure this widow's a Christian. Someone's dedicated to the things of the Lord. The, the church here, I think, clearly has an obligation to help its own, okay? If they have no one else that can help, then the church should be the family. They should be engaged spiritually. And by the way, uh, you know, misplaced charity can hinder true charity. Did you know that? And that's why Paul says, do a little verifying, do, do a, a little investigation. And by the way, I know the teaching in the last couple of weeks has gotten thick, but I think it's important. Paul says in verse seven, Timothy, teach these things to the church. Why? So that, so that there's unity, so that, the, so that the message of the gospel goes out there. Uh, the message and fame of Christ can go out when you help people in need. Yes. Okay. And I'm going to bring that full circle at the end. Number two, Paul says, and when you're verifying, he said, there's an obligation for all of us as Christians to take care of our family. We have, a, we have a spiritual obligation. Some of the strongest words of the New Testament are used to describe Christians that don't take care of their parents. Do you see that? Now, and listen, I, I've, been, I've been at this long enough to know. Some of you in this room, many you have great parents you know you it, it'll be a joy for you to take care of your parents some of you this is going to be a challenge like I, I have an obligation to take care of my parents like they they didn't really do a lot for me growing up but there's a testimony in that a testimony of Christ i think paul says in a very practical way paul says man, our faith doesn't mean much if we leave our family to twist in the wind now What's interesting is, is, is I think Paul says, man, taking care of our family probably seems obvious. He says, I think he's saying it seems pretty obvious even to unbelievers. So as Christians, if we're not taking care of our family, man, it, it's, it becomes obvious to the world around us. And, and I think it's interesting that Paul uses both the positive and the negative, right? It, one, he says positively, it pleases God when you take care of your family. And two, it looks worse than even unbelievers if you don't. Now imagine, I want you to imagine for this for a minute. Imagine in our culture if the idea of taking care of your senior adult family permeated the culture. What would change in our culture? What would change? Social security and nursing homes, right? There's a lot of things that would change. And listen, our government has grown really big because we have given up our God given responsibilities to take care of our family. I really believe that. And so, what's happened? Taxation, right? And so, the government has to grow bigger and bigger and tax more and more and more because we have given off the responsibility of taking care of our family. all right, and and that's important as Christians. We go, you know what? We're, we're going to take Paul at his word. We're going to take the word of God at its word. We're going to take care of our family. And by the way, if we can't tax people, we just print money. That's how it operates here in America. All right, we have an we have an individual as Christians. We have a responsibility to take care of our family, and. uh And by the way, I'm going to talk about personal responsibility in just a minute, okay? Uh, But, you know, part of the reason that the government in America has grown so big is we have given off our God-given responsibilities. Children are to be the social security program. Do you know that? By the way, Jesus took this serious. Jesus was hanging on the cross in John chapter 19. He's hanging on the cross, check this out, verse 25, standing near the cross... Jesus' mother and mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, which is John, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here's your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. This idea of taking care of your family is passed on to us from our Savior, Jesus Christ who, as he was dying, made sure that his mom was taken care of. Finally, Paul here gives some really practical instructions. Like, how does w- Let's put some feet to this. First Timothy 5, verse 9. A widow who's put on the list. I want you to circle the word on the list. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. A widow who's put on the list for support. Must be a woman who's at least 60 years old and faithful to her husband. She must be well-respected by everyone because of the good deeds she's done. Uh, has brought up her children well? Has she been kind to strangers and served other believers humbly? Has she helped those who are in trouble? Has she always been ready to do good? Now, let me, let's come back to the word on the list, okay? Here's, here's, the, here's the note I made, ready? Organized religion. Organized religion, that's what this is. If I could, if I could pinpoint an area that often gets thought of as unspiritual, it's the idea of organization, right? It's the idea that that in fact sometimes it gets criticized. Organization gets criticized as as not being very spiritual. I've 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 I've, I've heard the idea of lack of organization. Be, you, the phrase that's often used with that is, we're leaving room for the Holy Spirit, right? We're, just, we're not going to be organized. We're just leaving room for the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that happens, probably not this sermon, I suspect, but there's some sermons I preach where people will be like, man, you, you know, I'll say, oh, finally, or, I got to wrap this up. And people will come with me after this. You could have kept going, right? You could have kept going, to which I respond. The Spirit might not be moving out on the parking lot where we're trying to get three services and in nursery, okay? There's organization here. It takes a lot to pull off three services. We've got to be organized. We've got to be on time. We gotta, there's some things we have to think through, you know, and a lot of times disorganization is, man, that's the power of the Spirit. And I think organization is very important to the furthering of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I think that organization here has been this idea of being labeled labeled leaving room for the Holy Spirit is a lot of times a lot of laziness in ministry to make sure that we're well organized. Put them on the list, Paul says. I want you to imagine something for me. Here's to illustrate the point. Acts chapter two, verse forty one, the first sermon by the Apostle Peter, known as Pentecost, right? And then uh, after his sermon, Acts two, verse forty one. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About what? How many? 3,000 in all. Isn't that cool? Did you ever think about that? What in the world would happen if 3,000 people showed up to Coastal Community Church next week? Did you ever think about that? You couldn't just leave room for the Holy Spirit, I can tell you that. The Holy Spirit saved them, but man, we better get organized real quick, Right? No doubt about it. Because we'd be asking questions like, where will we park? And where would where we put their kids? And we'd have, definitely have to add more services, right, to do corporate worship. Well, I mean, how, and then we'd be talking about, I man, what's the most strategic time to do the services? And then we've got to raise up volunteers. And then we've got to think through the Great Commission because we're not called to just do services, we're called to make disciples. And we better figure out what that looks like. How are we making disciples? And then we'd have to ask the question, well, what does it look like to make a disciple of Coastal Community Church? And let's make sure we're, we're, we're being organized and we're doing that. And one of the way, one of the big steps at Coastal is small groups, right? It's not just a ministry. It's a part of being a disciple. So 3,000 people, 10 per small group. How many small group leaders do we need next week? 300, right? Right out of the guy, i got to come up with 300 small group leaders. And then we got to make sure that our ministries and our missions can house the 3,000 people that want to give back for the fame of Jesus Christ. We better get organized, yes? And listen, we just closed on a building this week because we believe that the imprint of Coastal is going to continue to grow for the fame of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to require some organization along the way, yes? Don't poo-poo organization, all right? please don't put that on Facebook or Twitter. All right, so <clears throat> Josh does that to me. I didn't say that. All right, <clears throat> it takes a tremendous amount of strategy and organization, and don't let anyone tell you that, that disor- being disorganized and unplanned is a good thing. Organization is necessary to fulfill the great commission. Put, a, put that person on the list, Paul says. And now, second thing I want to draw out of the real practical stuff, it's Paul challenges this church, help the faithful, okay? And we just read that right she, she's faithful, she brought up her children, she's faithful to her husband she's, she's, she serves in the church okay um, and Paul encourages that their faith that, that, that these people in need are faithful servants to the Lord and that they have nowhere else to turn we 've already unpacked that right and so the church is supposed to help them and when helping those in need there's a uh, Paul's very clear in verse eleven let's skip down to verse eleven so uh, Steve, I need you to kind of click along with me verse eleven uh, <clears throat> speaking of being organized, I just skipped over a slide on Steve. Okay, so um, verse 11, Paul talks about the responsibility of widows, okay, and though those in need. Younger women should not be on the list because of their physical desires will overpower them, their devotion to Christ, and they will want to remarry. They, will be, they would be guilty of breaking their their previous pledge, and if they're on the list, they will learn to be lazy and will spend their time gossiping, going from house to house, meddling in other people's business, talking about things they shouldn't. Here's what I think Paul's talking about. When you help those in need, you do have to take into account personal responsibility, right? There's a personal responsibility to, hey, are there going to be other opportunities? Younger widows should have, would likely have other opportunities to, to invest their time in a positive manner. And so they shouldn't, and we're going to get to this in a minute, they shouldn't be a burden to the church. Uh, and so when we're helping the material needy, we need to make sure, man, is, is there room for personal responsibility to grow yourself? As a Christian? Okay, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, you should be seeking to be productive in society to make a living so that you can be generous with your resources and help others in need. Did you know that? 2 Thessalonians 3.8. Paul says, we never accepted food from anyone. He's talking about how he was a missionary, okay? And he was a tent maker and he he made his own living and it's okay to raise funds. He raises, I believe, the book of Romans is a fundraising letter, okay? To send him on a missionary journey, but that's another sermon for another day. Uh, we never accepted food from anyone without paying for it. We worked hard day and night so that we, could, so we would not be a burden to any of you. We certainly had the right to ask you to feed us, but we wanted to give you an example to follow. Even when uh, we were with you, we gave you this command. Those unwilling to work will not get to what? Wow. Right? When's the last time you heard a sermon preached on that? Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and meddling in others' business. We commend such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. Listen, church, there, we're, we're, as, again, as our culture moves away from the Scriptures, work is getting a lower and lower view. We need, as Christians, we need to have a high view of work. Did you know that in the Garden of Eden, before there was sin, there was work? Adam and Eve had to tend to the garden. They had something to do. A, we should have a high view work. Now, let me tell you something. As a part of the fall, work is cursed, okay? Paul, uh, the part of the curse of God is, man, now you're going to work the ground and it's going to produce thorns and thistles. I believe that means it's not going to be as rewarding. It's not going to be as productive as it could be. But I also believe when we get to heaven, there's, we're going to have an assignment, we're going to have a job to do, and it's going to be rewarding. It's going to be fulfilling. It's going to be productive. All the things work was intended to be. But we need to raise the view of work as a good thing. And then finally, Paul says this to us uh, in giving uh, practical advice about how we help those in material need. He said, the church should not be unduly burdened. Interesting, huh? So I think a lot of people point the finger at church. Why, why don't they? They should. First Timothy five sixteen. 16, a woman is a... Uh, who is a believer and is kind of bringing this full circle with all the stuff we've talked about. If a woman is a believer, has relatives who are widows, uh, she must take care of them and not put the responsibility on the church. Then the church can care for the widows who are truly alone, okay? It is reiterated that the church should determine who's really in need. I want to I make a bold statement, ready? Not every physical need can be met, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 26 verse 11, that we'll never fully eliminate poverty. That's a hard one, actually, for me. Like why? But Jesus said, that you're always going to have the poor among you. And there's a tension to manage there. In fact that he says it in the context of a, of a woman worshiping Him, pouring oil out on him, and people going, "We could have sold that and helped the poor." And Jesus said, no, this is an act of worship. So, this is, again, this is attention to manage. It's not a problem to solve. And we've got to figure that out as a community. You've got to figure it out individually, okay? Like, what does that look like? But the church should do its due diligence and make sure that its resources are making the greatest impact for the glory and fame of the gospel in helping others. Does that make sense? Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read you a quote. John Piper said this. And uh, he said, we care about all suffering, especially eternal suffering. I want you to hear that again. Because what I'm talking about this morning is not a problem to solve. And I said this a couple weeks ago. It's a great phrase, okay? Not everything in life is a problem to solve. Many things in life are tensions to manage. This, to me, is one of these tensions to manage. Well, should we put money towards a Kroger building or should we put money towards, you know, helping the poor? And the answer is yes. Attention to manage, not a problem to solve. And so, the and so, <clears throat> John Piper said, "Man, we care about suffering here on earth. We want to alleviate suffering. We want to be uh, kind of the influence in society that helps people under uh, bring justice and bring food and help the needy. But we also want to make sure that we offer an opportunity to end eternal suffering with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not a problem to solve. Attention to manage. So, how do we help those in need?" Why did I want to preach on this this morning? Here's why I wanted to preach on this. I want to encourage each of you that are here this morning that as God blesses your financial means, okay, at whatever level he's done that, that there is financial margin in your life to help others. There should be financial margin. In, we should not be stretched so thin financially in our lives that there's no room to help other people. It's an overflow of the gospel. I've been, uh, been kind of been a little nerdy, okay, this year. I, uh, I've shared this a couple times before, but I, I've been going personally. I've been doing a study through the book of Leviticus. I know some of you are like, he's going to preach on that at some point. I just know it. Okay, so I have super enjoyed it. And if I could, if I could relabel the book of Leviticus, we kind of got has this, I think, a false idea. I would call it the love of the father for his children. Because it's written to these, these nomadic people that for four or five generations were enslaved in Egypt. They were set free by Moses. They're going to their promised land. And God is giving his children some very basic instructions like how to deal with disease and mold, right, and you know, how, how to make sure your clothes are clean, your dishes are washed, and you have good hygiene, and make sure you do or don't eat this because that can or won't make you sick. And It's pretty fascinating, actually, when you look at it through it in that lens. But, G, but God taught his people this in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 9 and 10. He said, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters have dropped. So let me stop here, okay? So if you ever see a field of corn, I know this is an agrarian culture, so a lot of us probably aren't farmers anymore, maybe some of you are, but he says when you harvest, okay, don't go all the way to the edge with your harvesting. Leave a little row or two around your field. And when you're p- picking grain, if some of the grain falls to the ground, don't don't feel the need to pick every piece of grain up, okay? And here's why he says it is the same with your grape crop do not do not uh, strip every last bunch of grapes from the vine and do not pick up the grapes that fall on the ground leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you and i love this it's like a declaration of god he says i am the lord your god to command And I think the the principle that we can pull away as Christians, if you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you realize, man, there needs to be some margin in my life to help people. Maybe it's with my time. Maybe it's with my financial resources. Maybe it's with my uh, wisdom that I've gained through years. But, man, there needs to be some margin to help others. And what happens is, man, we get into the American rat race, and suddenly we're consumed with us consuming it's about me, and there's no margin in our lives. And I think that Paul here, in Leviticus, is, 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 Paul is taking a principle from Leviticus. He's saying, church, as an overflow of the gospel, there should be margin to help the needy. And so here's the so what. I want to challenge you this morning: if you're a Christian, have room to help those in need. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word this morning. I know this is more teaching than inspirational, God. But um, as we're reminded of the riches of Christ so freely given to us, the gospel so freely poured out, God, that we would not be in a culture that is very self-consumed, that we would not buy into the culture, God, that there would be room in our lives to have margin in our hearts and in our pocketbooks, um, in our time, in our calendar, Lord, to help others. God, help us to be a generous church. Help us to manage these tensions well for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray, amen. Okay, church, this is our offer.